so good to see you. Happy New Year, Bethlehem Church, across our campuses. 2024, uh, it is here, and it is amongst us, and you are with us, the OC, the 211, uh, man, 316, South Venue, wherever you're at, our friends on island, uh, watching online, man, that you would choose to worship with us, that you would begin a brand new year worshiping with us is a blessing to this pastor, it's a blessing uh, to each of us. If I hadn't met you at our campus as I get out there here, I look forward to meeting you as well, uh, and I hope you had a great Christmas break, and one of the things... I love about Christmas break is a little bit of an extended time with my kids and like by extended time is everything for whatever reason at Christmas break we're not going from this practice to that practice to that school thing to that church thing uh, it's just like a little time to breathe and I've got three kids two of them are teenagers high schoolers one is about to be he's in middle schoolers he's a middle schooler and one of the things that changes that has changed for me Pastoring here for 12 years now, 13 years. Uh, one of the things that's changed is when your kids are young, they're great illustration fodder for messages, okay? I mean, when your kids are young and they're little, you can use them in messages for illustration. But as they get older, you're not allowed to, right? A little communication 101. There comes a time when your kids look at you and go, hey, old man, you talk about me on stage, I'll kill you, right? And so... <laughs> They don't, they don't say it like that. I get it. I say all that to go unless I ask their permission, right? Unless I ask their permission. In fact, I poke our young pastors at the church and go, hey, man, until you start having to come up with illustrations that don't involve your kids, you're not a real preacher, okay? And so right now it's like, oh, I was changing my baby's diaper, and it was messy, and sin's messy, and don't you? Okay, that's real easy there, right? Uh, but we're eating dinner over Christmas uh, the first night. Having a conversation with my kids and, and two teenagers, one middle school. Dad, dad, they just informing me of things. Dad, there is nothing more awkward. And I don't think they use the word awkward. I think they use the word cringeworthy. There's nothing more cringe, cringeworthy, right? Than when an adult says something trying to sound relevant that's six months out of date, right? Dad, just nothing worse. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I talk for a living in front of people. Or are they giving me a subtle hint, right? There's nothing worse. Then when an adult says something trying to sound relevant that's so out of date, Dad, there's nothing worse. And I'm like, you talking about me, right? And they're like, no, 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 no. We're just talking about any adult, okay? Talking about any adult. Now, listen, things change fast, right? And by fast, I'm not just talking about technology and innovation, but like I'm learning vocabulary and words and how we use words change fast, right? They change fast. So if you're in the under 30 crowd, you get this. Under 30 crowd, you're going to be with me. If you're in the over 30 crowd and got young kids, you're probably still kind of hip and into it, okay? But if you're in the over 40 crowd, you better lean in for a second. Because <laughs> you don't know some things you need to know, and it's 2024. So I'm going to help you because I don't want you to sound dumb, okay? I don't want you to sound irrelevant. What do you mean? Let's say somebody comes up to you, and this is what I learned at Christmas, and says, hey, that story is cap. Okay. You may start thinking to yourself, if you're over 40 and irrelevant, right? You may start thinking to yourself, hey, is he telling me about the story about his cap he got for Christmas, right? <laughs> it's not what he's about to tell you. If, so, if somebody comes up and says, hey, man, that story is cap. You know what they're saying? That story's fake. That story's not true. That's not honest. Now, if somebody looks at you and goes, hey, man, no cap. That means you're not lying. You're telling the truth. Again, just trying to help you out here. Let me keep going here. 
right? Let me give you another example. Let's say somebody uses the word drip, and by somebody, a younger kid, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is going to be fun. He uses the word drip. Let's say somebody comes up to you and says, hey, man, those clothes, that wardrobe, that shirt you got on, right? That outfit that you got on, that is drip, right? You may think, did I drip honey mustard on myself? <laughs> you may think, did I drip honey mustard on myself at Chick-fil-A? Is that what? That's not what they're saying, right? That means those clothes, that wardrobe, that, those boys are with me, they know. That wardrobe, those clothes, that outfit you got on, man, that looks good, right? That's in style. Now, my favorite one, okay, my favorite one is if you're talking about a burger or nachos or something like that, you were to say, Man, that burger I just ate, or those nachos I just had, they're bussin', right? <laughs> oh, this is so good. You may be think, for some of you people who are old, right, you may think I'm talking about a new version of DoorDash, right? <laughs> That's what you think. Some of you are like, DoorDash, you're really old, okay? You don't even know what DoorDash is. You may be thinking to yourself, bussin', is he talking about DoorDash? No, 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 no. Those nachos are bussin', or that burger, that means they're really good. Or those nachos slap for you kids out there, okay? Look, 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 look. See, I, I'm helping you out. I could go on and on, but I won't for the sake of the next generation, okay? Because every student that is listening to me across our campus is thinking, oh my gosh, this old guy is so out of date right? Those words were six months ago. But listen, things change fast. Life moves fast. And one of the things I find, though, is one thing that doesn't change is every new year, every beginning of a new year, we're all faced with this reality of New Year's resolutions, right? All of us, you know what they are. These things we're resolving in our spirit and in our soul this year. What do you mean? Like New Year, like between, tell me if this is true. The week between Christmas and New Year's, like it's like you don't even know what day it is. Anybody with me? It's like from Christmas to New Year, you're not even sure what day it is. But as soon as New Year starts, it's like we go into a new calendar year and, and there's new habits and there's new disciplines and, and there's things that we want to lean. And I'm, I'm all for that. You guys know me. Lean into some new practices. And most of the time, and I hope you're a person that sets resolutions. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. Like this year, I want this to be different. And most of the time, a new year resolution is about something you are walking toward or something you are walking away from. It's about a new rhythm or a new practice that you want to incorporate in your life in a certain area of your life, or some energy sapper, some time waster, some type of thing that you want to walk away from. And most of the time, it has to do in one of these categories here, right? Maybe your career, uh, money and finances, and your job and your finance. I want to save more. I want to, instead of spending more, I want to save more. In your career, I want to take the next step. I want to get better at this right? Health and fitness. I want to lose a few pounds. I want to, I want to maybe get in a little bit better weight, maybe eat better, whatever. I'm going to exercise more. It's marriage and family. You probably have something like this year. We need to walk away from that. We need to walk to this. We don't need to all stare at the screen when we're together in one room, each in our own hand. Maybe we can start some new rhythms there. That's for free, right? And so, or maybe it's even in your faith, and here's what I say across all of our campuses of Bethlehem Church, first weekend of the year, yes to all those things. Absolutely. If you're somebody who doesn't, 
You don't have a lot of initiative and intentionality in your life. So yes, to go, and there's some things that I want to shift and change. But here's what I want to remind us. If you're taking notes across all of our campus, our Bethlehem Church app, in the midst of this, for Jesus' followers, every area of our life is spiritual. I just want to remind you, for Jesus' followers, every area of our life is spiritual. And as we begin 2024, what I am saying to you, I preach to myself. What do you mean? Your relationship with Jesus isn't one area of your life in your spiritual life or in your faith life that hopefully spills over into other areas. No, my friends, your relationship with Jesus is not one of the things in the list of all the things. It is the relationship that invades every area of your life. Make sure you get this. When Jesus looked at his disciples and said, follow me, the first word, follow me, he wasn't saying with your spiritual life, he was saying with all of your life, with everything, that you would follow me in every area of life. In fact, the next few weeks, I'm just titling our conversation before all things or before all the things that we go, this has got to change, this has got to be different. And I'm borrowing from something Paul says when he reminds us of the supremacy, of the greatness, of the singularity, of the preeminence of Christ. Here's what Paul says. The sun is the image of the invisible God. Across our campuses for a second, right here in this room. What is God like? Paul just said, look to Jesus. What is God like? How can I know God? Paul is saying the son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. You've heard this, things in heaven and on earth, visible and ever invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority. And here's what he says. And all things have been created through him and for him. And here it is. And he is what, church? That was great, but we're going to say it again because that sounds like it's 2023, right? <laughs> and we're in 2024. He is. And because of that, in him, all the things in our life hold what? Together. Right, hold together. See, now I'll say that to go because in the American, Western, modern, busy mind, our way of doing life is very fragmented, segmented, and compartmentalized. I am telling you, mine and you, the way we think about life. And what I mean is, when it comes to all the things, we kind of go, well, my career's going well, financially it could be a little bit better. And we kind of judge ourselves based on the difference, and we kind of rate ourselves based on the different things. And here's what I'm saying. Over the years of pastoring, all I want to remind you, and you know this, makes sense. This part of my life, and here's my faith part, and here's my fitness part, and here's my marriage. And we all have these different compartments, good, bad, on a scale of 1 to 10, all of, I get it, all of it. Makes sense. Rarely ever works to look at life that way. Why? Because everything affects everything. Why do you say that? Because the truth of the matter is everything affects everything, listen to me, and everything is connect, or, and everyth everything's connected to everything and everything affects everything. So the idea that things are good here in this part of my life, but not good, listen to me, it sounds good, but it never works. When there's pressure in your career, a lot of times you're going to feel that in your home. And when there's pressure at home, a lot of times that's going to show up at your work. Hello. When there's pressure at home, a lot of times we're going to see that in your kids at school. Uh-oh. 
right? And when there's pressure in, in money, it's going to affect. And when everything affects everything and everything is connected. So we may be able to hold things in tension for a season, but church, God did not create your life to be lived in segments. He created your life to be lived in seasons. All right? And what I mean by that is the reminder, the invitations will begin a new year. Just for a second. You've heard me say this. This is kind of a primary teaching at Bethlehem Church that once a year I come back to in the fall when I talked about family. I used it one time. The way we like to say this idea of Jesus is before all things. He's the relationship, not your spiritual life, not your faith life. Then there's your work life, right? Then there's your money, and then there's your heart. No, 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 no. It's just not the way life works. And we kind of know that everything affects everything, and everything is connected to everything. So the way we say it at Bethlehem Church is, listen to me, as you begin a new year, here's what I want to say. Jesus isn't a priority. He's a person. If you've been to Bethlehem, you've heard me say that. I'm going to say it again. I'll never leave that. Jesus isn't a thing on the list. Jesus is a person we have a relationship with. What does that mean? When you think toward all the things, listen to me. Here's my invitation. You've got to learn to think. Don't think Jesus then all things. Think Jesus in all things. I am telling you, all of us, including me, the tendency is to approach life fragmented and segmented and fractured. All right, so I say all this to go, in the new year, leave this up for a second, we want to help with that. If you've been a part of Bethlehem Church over the last four years, we stepped into something post-COVID that really has uh, had incredible fruit in our church, and we call it 21 days. We start the, new, uh, start the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting because we want to come alongside this idea of he is before all things and in him all things hold together. So we set aside three weeks, and we're going to begin it next week. I'm giving you time, right, across all of our campuses, 21 days of prayer and fasting, right, where we as a body intentionally, corporately lift our antenna toward the things of God through intensified prayer and at the same time say no to some things that are natural in this world. That's prayer and fasting. In fact, you can go and here's the screen. It'll be on our app this uh, week. It'll be on our website. There are tons of resources because we want to invite everybody to do this. Fasting is the idea of simply saying no to something, a food, biblically, for a season, right? To say yes, say no to something natural, to say yes to the supernatural. Biblical prayer and fasting, listen to me, isn't for super spiritual people, it's for people who follow Jesus. It's not for missionaries and pastors. <laughs> it's central to our formation as Christ's followers. So our team's come up with a page, and I want to give you a little advance before I hop, move any further. And next Thursday, January the 11th, or Thursday, January 11th, coming right up, right? We're going to kick this off of 21 days, three weeks. And what I mean by fasting, maybe it's a meal, right? Maybe it's sun up to sundown. We got you a lot of different examples. Don't be freaked out. You're saying I can't eat for 21 days? Not what we're saying, right? Not what we're saying. But what we're saying is we want you to approach this in America because we're so fast. We don't, like fasting's for maybe back in the day. That it, no, no, fasting is something that the church has done for generations. Now we choose to say no to something. Maybe for some of us the fasting has to do with technology. Our minds are so filled with so much clutter we can't hear anything and we just don't even realize it because we become numb to it. 
Whatever it is, we're going to kick that off. And here's the crazy thing. Go to our website, right? You'll see this. And here's the crazy thing. We also, this is something I'm so excited about. The book of Colossians is all about the preeminence of Christ. It's all about the supremacy of Christ. So my staff, some of our pastors and staff, we, toward the end of last year, put 21 days together. And this is going to be cool. Starting next Thursday, there we took the book of Colossians into little segments and divided it into 21 segments. And every day... On social media and every day on our website, you can go in your first five minutes of the day. Our pastor's pastoral team is going to lead you through a few verses of Colossians to start your day. You'll get it every day, right? A devotional online that we're going to do this. Why? Because we want to go to a different place. That all starts next week. I'm inviting everybody across all of our campuses. Listen to me. It's Jesus, then all things, or Jesus, in all things sounds great. It's something to step into as we begin a new year. And we're going to come around 21 days of prayer and fast and kick it off next week. Go look at that. It'll be great. Uh, I'm excited for what God's going to do. So, second part, here's what I'll say. When it comes to the new year, most of the time people have a word of the year. You ever, anybody have a word this year? Raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out, but y'all, I got my word for the year. Anybody ever heard of this thing? Choose one word for the year. Raise your hand. You know, okay. Well, it's the idea. Every other campus, y'all are hip and cool. This group, I don't know. Okay. But the idea is choose a word. I've done it for the past few years. Just like a word that, that, that is something I want to lean into, passion, intentionality. And, and, and really, December, I took some time very intentionally in my life. And this is just kind of a little pastor to the people for a minute. Like a word of the year. And there was this overwhelming sense that God really set in my soul in the month of December as I look to this year. That the word for me is also really the theme, I think, for our church. When you think, what's the word God gave me for 2024 in my own life, but I think also in the life of our church. It's really, it's really simple. And here's the word you're going to hear us talk an awful lot about this year. Is this word right here. Pray. I think 2024 holds unprecedented opportunities for our church. God showed us great favor. He's been super kind of, we are so humbled and blessed by it. At the same time, I want everybody to lean into me. We are living in an increasingly broken, fractured, flawed, and complicated culture. And the challenges people are facing in this room are real. That families are facing are real that marriages are facing are real. I am telling you, I'm not trying to prophetically speak anything here, right? I'm a pastor. I don't have the gift of prophecy. Right? I get the gift of proclaiming the truth, not telling you what's going on. But I am telling you, the challenges in our society are real and they're only intensifying. And I'm telling you, we're going to see it in a real way this next year. I'm telling you. And my word for the church it's simply this. You can put your head in the sand. As you begin a new year, this is the word from God for me. Word for You and I in our busy lives, I want families and moms and dads right here to lean in. 20-something, I want you to lean in for a second. We can put our head in the sand and live our busy little schedules out with all our busy little things to be at and our busy little thing, and we just we can put our head in the sand and hope to God our family isn't affected, or we can choose to lean in and know that where we are is not by accident and God is who he is. God is who he says he is, and we are where we are. Well, I'm going to get busy and do my thing, me and our deal, and we're going to, you can do that, it's great. And live with your head in the sand and just hope to God your family's not affected. Or... 
you can lift your head and realize that we are where we are and God is who he is. And listen to me, the fight you and I are in in our society, in our time, moms and dads, I am saying this to you and I'm in this fight with you. The fight we are in is not busy schedules. That's not the fight. The fight we are in is not distracted kids and distracted next generation. The fight we are in isn't the culture wars. It's not even the new political cycle, God help us, we're about to walk into. Our battle, my friends, is not flesh and blood. Our battle's against the ruler of darkness. And my friends, it's against spiritual forces. And when I read through the book of Acts, which I spent time in the fall, I was brought, the early first followers of Jesus, I was brought to this, this word, I was just kind of, the first followers of Jesus were fully aware of their insufficiency when it came to the task at hand. Like time and time again, you see in Acts, they were fully aware of the bigness of the kingdom of God happening in their midst and how insufficient they were. In the gospels, listen to me, you see Jesus himself time and time again pulling away just to be with the Father because he knew the task at hand. And what I would say to us, my burden, not for Bethlehem Church only, but for the church, and I say this invitationally, not accusationally, my, my burden for the church, the modern church in our modern times, and I mean this for Christians, for followers, what my great concern is for us, corporately and individually, that there is this sufficiency that they found in prayer. And what I want to say to you and I is simply this. What was fundamental for the early church has become supplemental in the modern church. Whoo. I want everybody to lean in for a second across all of our campuses. What was fundamental to the earliest followers of Jesus has the tendency in our society to just become a supplemental what do you mean fundamental supplemental? Fundamental is the idea of life blood. That's what, when something's fundamental, you gotta have it. When something's fundamental, it's foundational. Everything else is built on it. When something is fundamental in your, I mean, what's fundamental in your life? You have a house you live in. That's fundamental, right? What do you mean? You don't live in a box. If you do, we're glad you're here. We're gonna help out. But my guess is you've got a house you live in. It's fundamental. Right? You need that. That's what, it's foundational. Right? Running water, it's foundational. Oxygen's foundational. Prayer for the earliest followers of Jesus was fundamental. In our culture, it's become supplemental. Supplemental means an add-on. In addition to. Right? Because, here's the deal. We've become so numb by the comforts, the creature comforts of our modern world we have a society that's even affected believers that we believe we can do life without God. No, we don't, Jason. Hold on. Where praying seems nice, nobody's against it, but it's really unnecessary. Ooh. What did he just say? What did my pastor say? We've built a world and insulated ourselves in a modern world where prayer, this isn't in your notes, just me talking, seems nice. Nobody's against it. I've got an atheist friend that I, know, that, that I spend time with, and I'm, I tell him, I'm going to be praying for you. He's not offended. He's thankful. Nice. That's great. You're thinking about me. But we live in a time where prayer seems nice oftentimes, but unnecessary. And what was fundamental to the first followers of Jesus, church, listen to me, it cannot be an add-on. And I think sometimes we're more familiar 
with what I call comfortable and obligatory prayers than we are believing prayers. I want you to sit in that for a second. We are more comfortable as a society, and, and our society, I should say, as Christians oftentimes, we don't even realize it, with what I call obligatory, obligational prayers than we are actually believing in prayer. Give me some examples, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Blessing a meal. The Lord's Prayer before our, before our game. Don't let anybody get hurt. Let us bring you glory in what all we do. Moments of silence before an event. Traveling mercies. Traveling mercies. God be with my kids. One of my favorite growing up Baptist, hedge of protection. Some of you are like, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Right? Hold on with me. Don't, don't get uptight here. We're real comfortable in our society when somebody on social media is going through a hard time, what do we throw up? <laughs> right? Because the obligation is if somebody's going, now, praying, listen, yes to all that. Nothing wrong with any of that. Pray before a meal. Pray before a game. Pray traveling mercies. Yes to all that. But my point's not to make light of it. My point is to say, are we more comfortable when the moment calls for it? Or do we actually believe prayer is practicing the presence of God in our lives? Hello. Are we, are we, like, we understand prayer when the moment calls for it. Instead of the idea of it actually... Like, they not, like it being the presence of God in our lives. And so I want to talk really candidly and really raw about prayer for the next few weeks. Because oftentimes pastors don't do that. We talk about prayer a lot, but a lot of times people feel guilty when we talk about prayer because they don't feel good enough, but we don't talk about prayer in a way that gets under what's really going on in the midst of it. So I want to do this. Why? Because here's what I know. And I don't have a lot of time. I'm just beginning this conversation, trying to entice you to go come with us in this journey. What I know is you ask anybody, tell me what a Christian does. Tell me of uh, the top two things a Christian does and the top two things a church does. Everybody, believer or not, one of the two things would say the word prayer. That word would come up. Yet. Here's where I want you to listen. I want you to be honest with yourself and me. I am inviting you in this. I want us to have a conversation around it. Although that's true, the vast majority of genuine believers and many people across our campuses, if you're honest, you feel lacking in prayer more than you do power in prayer. You feel more inadequate when it comes to prayer than you do empowered when you pray. The vast majority of believers, nobody's against it, but they struggle and have questions. Here's what I found. Tell me if this is true. So many people have questions about prayer, but to ask them in a setting like this, they don't. Because if you ask questions about prayer, it makes you sound like you're unspiritual. So we're not going to ever ask a question about that. Pray. And there's this malaise and this guise 
that lives over people's lives because they never really ask questions. In fact, Paul Miller in his book, Pray in Life, this isn't your notes, but tell me this is not the reality. I'm about to set you free because, again, I'm inviting us wherever we are, right, to maybe think new about it 2024. Here's what Paul Miller says. When we slow down to pray, we are immediately confronted with how unspiritual we are and how difficult it is to concentrate on God. Hello. Because everything in our modern world wars against the idea of not being sufficient on our own. Some of you need to take a picture of that. When we slow down to pray, we are immediately confronted oftentimes with how unspiritual we are and how difficult it is to concentrate on God, right? And so what happens in our society is this, people feel defeated in it, and so they only pray when the obligation comes instead of actually engaging in. Listen to me, the invitation the next few weeks is how we experience Jesus in all things, how we experience Jesus as a person in a relationship, not just as a priority, is leaning into prayer. Listen to me, church, that prayer isn't a rule that God gives us, it's a tool that God gives us. Prayer's not a rule that if you love me, you'll do this. And if you don't, you won't. That's never what pr prayer can't be mastered. Take a deep breath. There's no such thing as mastering prayer. Well, I heard this guy pray one time and he was good at it. Guess what? He had mastered it. Why? Prayer's not meant to be mastered. It's meant to be engaged. So wherever you're at in your journey, from the auto mechanic <laughs> to the cop, to the teacher, to the coach, Right? He goes, I don't even, I'm not against prayer, but I just, if I'm honest, Jason, I'm listening because I kind of, what you're saying is freeing me up. And here's what I want to say. For some of you, I want you to find freedom because prayer, right, is an invitation for us all, wherever we're at. And here's where I want to say the real practical thing, and I'm going to give you an example out of my life. It's real simple as we begin a new year. Here, here's the most practical thing I can say to you. If some of, you, some of you are like, man, I pray all the time. I mean, awesome. Everything I'm going to say, I'm going to feed your soul. You're going to go, yes, preach it, pastor. And some of you are going to go, I don't want to admit, but I need to hear what he's saying because that's how I feel, but I don't want to admit it because that sounds unspiritual, and I'm not unspiritual. I really love Jesus, but I don't feel like I'm good at prayer, but I don't like to admit that. That's the vast majority of us, right? That's why you're uncomfortable because you're like, he's reading my mail. <laughs> man, oh, man, he had a week off. He's reading my mail. Because I, we've just got to learn again in the church to talk honestly. Because God's okay with it because he knows it. Right? So let me give you some encouragement. Wherever you're at, dudes, dudes in the room, fellas, at one of our camps on the back road OC, at 211 in here, let me free you up. This is an invitation to all. You got to learn to pray as you can't and don't try to pray as you can't. Man, that is everything. You got to learn just to pray as you can and don't try to pray as you can't. Many people get discouraged in praying because they think they should pray this certain length or they think they should pray this certain way or with these certain words. My friends, the invitation of God is just to pray as you are where you are, just to talk to him. After decades of following Jesus in my own life, listen, church, lean in. After now two decades of pastoring, if I have learned anything, 99% of people's wrestling with prayer comes down to them just showing up. 
That's it. Making the effort to become consciously present, right, to the God who is constantly present to us. Ooh, he said something there. Making the effort to become consciously present to the God who is constantly present to us. That in our life, he's the big man upstairs. And that you and I, the invitation is that there's a God in this broken, flawed world. And prayer is us becoming consciously, consciously present to the God who is constantly present. Listen, listen, I'm going to begin, and, 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 and here's going to be real simple. I'm going to walk you through as we close our service. Through Psalm, a Psalm that I have learned to pray. A psalm that, that helped me in a time where I felt like, listen to me, man, I'm just, I, I, I'm a pastor <laughs> and I just am not good at prayer. And I was in a dark spot as your pastor years ago and there's some things God had to work out in me. And there's a lot of us that go, I can't pray, I can't pray like them. And, and we go and we're like, I try to give it five good minutes and I don't get a minute in. Listen to me, friend. Here's the invitation. Pray as you can, not as you think you should. You're saying a minute. I'm saying give it 30 seconds. I'm saying that you actually, that's, that's it. Right? I, when I go to sit down, I journal. When I go to pray, I walk around sometimes. You walk around, I do, it's crazy. <laughs> Listen, I want to take you to a psalm. I got to end, I could preach this whole weekend about this. I want to take you to a psalm, I want to invite you. Right? Here's the psalm, I begin to pray. I don't even know, for some of us, it's like, I need a kickstart. If you will take the next few days and pray this psalm right here. This is your prayer. What do I say? I don't feel like praying with faith. Then pray out your disappointments. I don't know, I don't really have a lot of hope. Then tell the Lord. Pray as you can't, not as, pray as you can, not as you think. You should. Not as you can. It's learning just to engage. It's the invitation. David says this, search me, God, and know my heart. We're going to post this everywhere. It's going to bring a prayer. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Listen, I love this. It is not, hang with me, church here. It is not that just that God knows everything is that he knows me. It's not just that God is everywhere is that he is everywhere with me. And then the fact is it's not just that God created everything is he actually created me. Search me, God, and know my heart. Listen to me, church. I've learned to begin. Most days I pray this song. Not every day. But most days, and when I say search me, God, and know my heart, that is not me allowing God to know me. He doesn't need my permission to know me. That's me acknowledging that God knows every part of my life, good, bad, and ugly. <laughs> you know it. Search me, God, and know me. And here's the thing. And test me and know my anxious thoughts. Listen, when he prayed, this is so good, when he prayed this, David I'm not sure what his anxious thoughts were. I got a pretty good guess what his anxious thoughts were, but I'm not 100% sure, right? Everybody's future, his safety, he's running from King Saul. But here's what I know. Here's what, as we begin a new year, OC 211, here's what I know. 
is there are many people who are way more familiar with feelings of anxiety than we are feelings of peace. Our society is more comfortable with feelings of angst and frustration and anxiety than we are feelings of peace. David says, test my anxious thoughts. He's praying out loud. Listen to me. Lord, reveal what holds my mind hostage. That's practically what he's doing. It's a way just to begin to pray. Search me. Right? Because practically, listen to me, what you fear, listen to me, is what holds your mind hostage. What you are anxious about holds your mind hostage. But listen to me. What if we become so used to being frantic, to being anxious, to being fearful, to feeling that way, we're not even sure what it is we feel that way about anymore? We become so used to it. David knew that his anxious thoughts matter to God. And here's what I want you to know, Mom. Here's what I want you to know, Dad. Here's what I want you to know, student. Here's what I want you to know, college students. Your anxious thoughts matter to God. Why? Not because he wants you to have a stress-free life. And what I had to learn was I came to a point in my life where I was so used to being anxious and so used to being worried and so used to being stressed, and so used to being on edge, I didn't even know what I was anxious about anymore. I didn't even know what I was bothered about anymore. I was so familiar with angst and anxiety and worry, that I was, but I didn't know. And when I began to say, search me, oh God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Show me in me what they are, and here's where I want to end. Here's what God did in my life. What I learned is simply this. What you fear the most oftentimes reveals where you trust God the least. And what if 2024 changed because you were honest about that? Like, like Pastor, the word and the phrase, what if? Across all of our campuses, the word and the phrase, what if? Whatever follows that, what if that's where you have a hard time trusting God? Like, that's where you actually have, like, what do you mean? What if the future, right? For some of us, what if the future, and we think about the future and what's next. What if actually that fear is actually simultaneous to the point that you need to be honest, that you trust God with the least? Come on, church. Right? What if, like, like, what if my health, that's what holds you hostage. And simultaneously, that's what's always on your mind, and that's where you trust God the least. Mom and dad, what if you're paralyzed by the safety of your children? They're going to be okay, they're going to be okay, is it going to be okay? And we hold them close, and we protect them, and this world's crazy, and it's our job. Grandparents, we're the same way. But what if that actually is your greatest fear? What about your kids? What about your daughter? What about your son? And actually, what that means is you have more trust in your own power to take care of them than you do in God's power. Ooh, nobody will say that. Well, what if that's the point where you trust God the least? What if you're gripped with fear about the future of your marriage? Which actually instinctually lets you know you don't actually trust God with your marriage. What, gentlemen, if your fear of failure, of not being enough, what if that's why you shoulder everything on your own and you've never experienced God in your weakness because you've never admitted that you can be weak? 
Man, oh man. I cannot remember how many times, countless times, in the midst of my battle of working through fear and anxiety, that I would hear a pastor and I would even preach, you got to choose faith and not fear. Okay. You got to choose faith and not fear. Man, it's faith over fear. And guess what? I agree. But here's what I found. On my own, in my own strength, I couldn't do it. But what I found was when I began praying, God, test me and know my anxious thoughts. What is it up under that? Here's the crazy thing. I began inviting in my natural struggle the supernatural in. See, listen to me, church. What if what bridges the gap between what we fear the most and where we trust God the least is prayer? All of us this year, in our career, at our job, in our money, in our marriage, listen to all of us this year, these are all the things. I promise you this, you're going to have opportunities in your career this year you didn't expect, but you're also going to have obstacles. You're going to find some things out. You're going to have some opportunities in your health. I'm telling you right now, 2024, and some of you are going to face obstacles. Money, marriage, but what if, here's the deal, we learn before all these things what holds all these things together and what makes Jesus not one of the things on the list is simply this, prayer. Would you stand with me across all of our campuses? And we're just going to end by praying together. We're just going to end by praying together. In fact, campus pastors, I want you to take it and lead our guy and lead your staff, or excuse me, lead your campus in this prayer. We're going to pray this together as we close. This is my invitation as you look toward 21 days starting next week. Just pray this. I don't even know. It's been such a long time since outside of a meal or when somebody's sick or when I heard something or when I bowed my head when you prayed, Jason. It's been such a long. Just start here. And maybe you're like, no, I pray, but, but I, I want to have a breakthrough this year. Well, start here. We're going to say this together across all our campuses as we begin a new year. We're going to invite God to know us. Count of three, let's say this together. Praying it together. God, this is our heart before you. And I would say, when I say that, if you don't mean it, don't pray it. There's going to be a lot of people praying it, so don't feel weird if you don't want to pray. But don't just say, that's not good, right? But we're going to pray this together. Count of three. One, two, three. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, Father, we choose to trust you. As prayer teams come, we choose to trust you. And, God, that maybe the breakthrough this year in our lives is simply that, that we even become aware of the things where we fear, that you would search us, that you would know us. Lord, that we would just go, no, we want to take a step into prayer. We want to take a step into knowing you.